to reach that level of depth to really connect with the core of the people I was interacting with because that's the humanness and I loved that experience too. Building bridges between cultures and meeting the person at the core as a human being. Hey there, and welcome to the Tribe of Leaders podcast. I'm your host, Emmy Kirshner. I'm a serial entrepreneur, investor, and business coach for ambitious women who are boldly taking their business to the next level. And I believe that building a successful business isn't about working 24-7 just to merely meet a revenue goal. What it does take is a unique blend of dedication to purpose, courageous action, and frequently sheer will to overcome the odds that lead to meaningful impact and experiencing a life well lived. In each episode, you'll get to know the women and men who are unafraid to put it all on the line as they share the stories of success and failure that have made them incredible leaders and the magic they gift the world with. As you're listening, and I hope finding value, don't forget to share the Tribe of Leaders podcast with all of your other entrepreneurial friends and to follow us wherever you're listening to this podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Tribe of Leaders podcast. I am your host, Emmy Kirshner. And on today's show, I have Barbara Dale Peze who is from Italy right this second, but has traveled all over the world because she is internationally recognized leadership coach, facilitator, and author, distinguished by her capacity to inspire and empower and by her unique ability to connect and tune in with the people from highly diverse cultures and backgrounds. With over 18 years of global experience living and working in China, Hong Kong, Australia, Canada, Europe, and the U.S., Barbara partners with global leaders, entrepreneurs, C-suite executives, and members of family-owned businesses to help them make key paradigm shifts and breakthroughs so that they can effectively create large-scale change in society and the world. Barbara, welcome. You have one hell of a mission, lady. (laughs) Thank you, Emmy. It is a pleasure and an honor to be here, and thank you for having me. (laughs) I'm really excited. I'm really excited to see how our conversation conversation goes because we were chatting right before I hit the record button. One, I think we're really aligned, but I love that you're out in the world globally making huge shifts in how we think and how we are creating and how we're working. So let's dive into your background first. And, you know, what is it that has happened and occurred? What's your journey look like to get you from there to here where you're making such impact? Uh, what a beautiful question. Thank you, Emmy, for asking that. Well, what happened is uh, I discovered again and again and again that I am passionate about people and about diversity, actually. And it all started when during my university years, I had the first experience of studying abroad. And at the time, I'm Italian originally, abroad meant somewhere in Europe. And for me, it was uh, Germany. And so I spent one year in Germany studying the university there. And that was a game changer experience for me because uh, I discovered that there was a world beyond beautiful Italy. (laughs) And and actually... (laughs) I could experience and learn something different. And Mm -hmm. once I realized that, then my curiosity started to really be a traveler itself in the sense that I really became curious of 
I was asking myself the question, so what, what is beyond Germany? What is beyond Europe? What is this thing that I am experiencing while I am interacting with people that are from a different culture? And so that was it. And I started from Germany. I went back to Italy and then life took me on the other side of the globe and I moved to Hong Kong. And that was my life, a new life for me. Is scary? It was not scary at all. I think that from one side, some of my friends, I have very good friends in Italy. And when I made the decision to leave, they were shocked and they did ask me, so are you not scared? Uh, you know nobody, you have never been there and I would never do that. And uh, honestly, Amy, I have to say that no, none of those thoughts crossed my mind. I was excited. I was looking forward to what I did not know and and. Uh, of course, in my mind at the time, it was just beautiful what could have happened. There was no idea that something could have gone wrong at yeah. all. And so I was just excited, curious, wanted to see something new, meet new people. I wanted to experience something different. And because my experience in Germany was so good, had been so good, I was expecting the unexpected in a very good way. And so the language at the time, my English was, uh, let's say, the English of an adventurer. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so I, I decided that I would have had experimented with the language. And really, I interpreted everything that would have come my way as an adventure. So no fear whatsoever. Actually, it was just a desire to explore and to find out what I did not know. What a great perspective, because... Like the idea of moving to China, just culturally, there'd be so many different things to get used to that are different that, you know, are, are I want to say black and white, like night and day yeah. compared to what like yeah. here in the States I would be used to. And if you're taking all of that in through the explore, the adventure, then you are open to more yeah. positivity and newness and really playing. I completely agree with you. And what also happened is that by going there and being open-minded and actually not expecting anything, because I, I never went to Asia when I moved to Hong Kong. And so I did not have any expectations. So I, it was really like having a blank canvas in front of me, but having lots of colors that I could have used to paint my new picture. Right. And when I arrived there, and particularly Hong Kong was a great teacher for me as a city, when I arrived there, I actually actually learned about myself because uh, I recognized that I did have an identity that was born and that and that grew in my own culture within my family and when I was in Hong Kong the first time I was interacting with so many different people from very different cultures very different social statuses very different ideas that they had about the, what their life would look like or what was good, a good life, what was a, a successful life. And often everything, often what they were proposing to me was new. I never thought about it. And so what happened to me, I remember very clearly that I made a decision. What happened is, okay, you are so different from me and what you think your values are so different from mine. And so I Remember, I asked myself the question, do I protect who I am? Because that's what I know and that's what I know it is valuable. Or do I allow myself to be questioned by what is different? 
and maybe integrate what I discover with who I am and maybe what I discover will help me understand more of myself. And I chose the second one. Yeah. I chose to be questioned by diversity. And uh, that was amazing for me because it allowed me really to discover more about me. And, and to me, that's the how precious it is to be in a diverse culture, meeting different people, which is spectacular right now, actually, globally. Yeah. And what, what are a couple of things that you learned or you like took away from some of the places that you have been in that's different that you really appreciated that shaped you? Everything. <laughs> <laughs> for example, I was teaching at the university in China for three and a half years. I taught there at the university in mainland China, not in Hong Kong. When I was in mainland China, I realized how many assumptions, how many biases, how many invisible assumptions, invisible to ourselves, invisible assumptions we have that we don't even realize and that constitute the foundation of our world. Why do I say this? Because when I was in mainland China and I was teaching my students, I was teaching different subjects, but in particular I was teaching about freedom and existentialism in philosophy at a certain point. Ooh, so fun. Yes, it was. And when I was speaking, I was speaking, of course, uh, as me, right? Of course, I was the professor and I was teaching and I was a professor, Barbara, from Italy and with my experience, etc. And I, especially at the beginning when I didn't know this, when I was speaking, I was speaking from my assumptions. And the students would look at me often and would ask me questions about what I just said that made no sense to me whatsoever. And so I was, I remember often thinking, how is it possible that from what I am saying, you are asking me this question? And it is not because they were not paying attention, they did not paying attention, right? Right. But it was really because we did not have any common frame of reference. And so for me, it was oh, an yeah. amazing, amazing gymnastic in terms of the way I was thinking, the way I was feeling, because I needed to stretch my imagination, my interpretation, what I was understanding the students were saying, right? Because it did not make sense in my world with my references. And so I started realizing, you know, Barbara, it is as if you are speaking in a desert because the language that the one you are using, the, the concept you're using, they don't resonate as they would do in Europe or if I was in the US when I did mm -hmm. teach in Canada. It was, was not the same. And so I had to really become proficient and then stretch my ability to have an intuition of what could be beyond what I understand or what I mean to say. And the question was, someone that has no frame of reference, we have nothing in common. How are they understanding what I say? How can I imagine something that I have no clue how to imagine. That was my exercise. And so this is something that being in this particular example in China taught me. I have learned to really stretch my mind and my emotional ability beyond what I can imagine, what I could imagine at the time. And that was incredible because it was as really from my desert in the sense that where I was, it was a desert of their conceptual right. world. 
right? I needed to make a step into their world and I needed to start understanding from their perspective, their meaning. And I did that by listening to their questions and being surprised by the questions and trying to figure out how to connect those questions to what I was saying. So that was an incredible experience. And I'm so grateful to China and my Chinese students for these because they really expanded my capacity to interact with diversity, I would say. Yeah, like just not having the same frame of reference and having to kind of bridge that gap. You really have to think differently. And I presume you've taken that into everything that you're doing now. Absolutely. Absolutely. That was my experience that from where I was coming, from, where I am from Italy, right? So that was the the maximum distance I've ever experienced from my world, right? So now, no matter with whom I am partnering, with whom I am working, I am collaborating, it is as if that experience has opened up a space inside of me that it is so big and flexible that every time I am speaking with someone, I sense the diversity and immediately I put myself in a state of being open suspending any kind of judgment, trying to understand where they come from, what what are their paradigms, where what is their world of meaning, where are they coming right. from? And, and and so I it is as if I am trying to make a void of myself and my assumptions and, and everything I am in order for for the person I am interacting with to resonate better as in their authenticity. And I think that this is really valuable because then the person in front of me, being it a person being even if I have a team of people, they feel the freedom to actually express themselves without protecting too much of those areas that usually we tend to keep hidden because, well, I don't know, maybe it's better so so we think. Right. right. We don't want to show our imperfections, our perceived imperfections. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah, what led you from Hong Kong and China to Australia, Canada? Like you've essentially you've traveled the globe. I have. Essentially, yes. Have you been in Africa? I have been in Africa. I went to a conference in Africa just for three days from China. I flew to South Africa and three days. I had just three days and then I needed to be back for the exams. And so that's my experience of South Africa. Only three I've heard it. I've heard it's beautiful. So it's on my list of places to go. It is. Where I was, uh, again, it was just three days and it wasn't with a conference. So it, I didn't get to travel much, but it was uh, first tapping into, tapping into <laughs> the yeah. tiny little bit of Africa over there. Definitely a country that needs to be explored more. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So what led you to all the travel? At first, my idea of traveling was linked to going on holiday before going to Germany, before starting my experience, my global experience. And uh, But once I started that, I realized that actually traveling for me was living in different cultures. I've never been a tourist anymore, basically. And so I loved it very much the opportunities came and so once i did i learned that it, it was so not so difficult of course there were challenges in changing countries and moving and learning the rules of the place and learning to adapt and adjust that that of course was challenging but it was more the gain of being in different countries and so i simply had the opportunity and i took it 
So from Hong Kong became China and then Australia. And then it was very interesting because the, the people that I met in these different countries, they moved around as well. And so suddenly I have connections and business partners and clients that are all over the world. And they asked me to go and work for their company in that new country. And so I would do that because it, it became part of who I am. And so it was not even uh, my friends from Italy, they joke and they say we go between Venice and Verona and I was commuting regularly between the US and, and China every four weeks. And for me, that was, that was my norm and I loved it because it was composing. It was really composing diversity. It was creating every time, if I can use a metaphor of music, really a symphony of different sounds. And I loved it. I loved it. I really loved it. And it just happened that it was possible. And I was really enjoying and the contribution I was bringing. Because when you do this, what happens is that you actually are breathing and living and contributing and get something from the culture you are in. And then mm -hmm. I was I would be in Australia where I was writing my book while I was I decided to stay there and write the book there before going to a meeting in Beijing in China. And then from China I would fly to London and then stay in London. And so I would bring something from Beijing, not in terms of things, but in terms of experiences uh, and way of thinking. And I would integrate them in London before flying to Vancouver and teaching at the university there. So it was really bringing the world with me and in the different places I I was staying and I was working, I would bring up different aspects of what I was encountering in the world. And, and I think that I feel very, very grateful for this experience. And I think that the contribution that this diversity brought to my life and to my clients, I think it's, it's great, actually. Yeah, I think... I mean, back to what you said, the more you can kind of cross or really build away from the gap and close and close that, build that bridge so that you can create reframes and connect with people. I mean, I think travel and seeing other cultures is the only way to do that. And experiencing very diverse things gives you such a different understanding of how the world really works. It did. And if I may add one thing, Amy... It also helped me to go deeper because I realized that, uh, yes, living and working in all these different cultures, there are differences, as I just mentioned. And at the same time, I also noticed how there is a level of depth at which we are really the same. Mm -hmm. And so I loved every time and I was learning more and more to reach that level of depth to really connect with the core of the people I was interacting with, because that's the humanness. And I loved that experience too. Building bridges between cultures and meeting the person at the mm -hmm. core as a human being. Right amazing yeah it's so exciting so exciting i'd love to talk about the book a little bit right it's a memoir it's the unexpected gift what was the catalyst for writing it it is a memoir about my story and it my story that started with a divorce 
and a breakup that was absolutely unexpected. In the midst of all this traveling, building my career, developing my career as a woman in foreign countries, right? This happened, the famous out of the blue moment that you don't expect <laughs> and it <laughs> happened. You think that you are building, I was thinking I was building a wonderful life and I would have had a family and kids and we were traveling with my then husband around the world and I did not expect this. So what moved me to write the book? I wanted to give the opportunity to someone that uh, goes through the same experience to have a book that speaks from the future. What do I mean? That when I was going through that, I was looking so much for someone that could speak to me from after the trauma, after the crisis, and that would reassure me that it would be okay, but not just because you will find somebody else or anyway, the breakup pain will pass. No, I was looking for someone that lived through the experience, that actually lived it through deeply and trying to really understand themselves and their lives beyond the crisis, and that they could show me that you will be okay. There is life after this uh, and you will be fine. And I couldn't find that book. I couldn't find it. And so while I was going through the experience, craving to find somebody that had those words for me, I started to notice that the suffering I was going through and all that happened was giving me such a sharpness of mind and uh, in the pain, there was so much clarity somehow. And so I started writing down, jotted down notes and, and like these snapshots of what I was seeing. And then eventually there was a point where I decided, you know what, this is going to be a book. And so I started writing, 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 and the book came up and materialized after a few years. It took me a little bit of time, but now that's it. And that's my contribution to those who go through all kinds of crises, really, in life. That was very hard. It is not, uh, it was not easy at all. It was painful. And I experienced all kinds of betrayal and pain and suffering and loss of trust and everything you can imagine when you go through a breakup and divorce of someone that you still love and you wanted to build a family with. So it was hard. And eventually, here we go, we have made it on the other side. And now the book speaks from the future to those who go through that experience. Of course, all experiences are different yeah. but the and the challenges. I the love that. And you're right. I mean, I was divorced a very long time ago, but it would have been so nice to have somebody else's experience to lean on from the future, from the, like, I knew the only, I think the thing that kept me going every day, because it was, it was just a really hard time. I mean, I had little kids, he moved away. I was juggling all these emotions, both for myself and the kids and moving. And, and I knew that I was going to be okay. Like that's the only thing that, that allowed me to get out of bed and help my kids every day. But it was really uncomfortable for over a year and a half of pain and, and frustration. So to have something there as a, you are going to be on the other side of this and looking back and things are going to be good again would have been so nice. You know, it is true. And not that we're not people that would tell me so. They would tell me, look, it's going to pass. It will be okay. But those people, they did not go through it. Yeah. I needed somebody that went through it. And that came back 
from the afterlife, <laughs> the second life after this traumatic experience. And uh, as you just said, there was none at a time. Yeah. So. Well, and it's easy to lose sight of that you will be okay at some point and in an even better place when you're in the middle of, of any anything that's traumatic or challenging too. It's not just divorce. So. I don't know your experience, Amy, about it, but for me, for example, the idea of uh, something different was very difficult to accept at the time because I did not want to divorce. I didn't want to, to break yeah. up. And so for me, that was my choice. So I remember saying, I don't want different. <laughs> I wanted what I had. I liked it. <laughs> so I, and for me, it was very challenging to believe that there was something and that it would have been different and that it would have been better and more amazing. And it didn't, to me, that was very difficult. I don't know if you had a similar experience. I was okay with the difference. I just didn't know. I think I was in survival for like several years after that too, because my, as I said, my kids were little and it was me. Like it was me 24 seven, 365. Like, I mean, he did the every other weekend thing, but I was just like, how do I get some place where I was above, like slightly above, you know, having just my face out of water where I could breathe a little bit more. And that was my biggest challenge was, seemed like every time I got, you know, I got two steps ahead, there was something else knocking me back. But, you know, I've raised two amazing kids on the other side of it who are doing brilliant things now. And it's, you know, and the, and I mean, obviously I'm happy and all the, those things are, are fantastic, but yeah, yeah. yeah, it is. You have earned that. <laughs> it didn't I have come. earned that, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> and now going to the beach and relax and something. Yes. Yes, yes. Oh my God. Uh, yeah, I love the beach. Like, I, as I was saying yeah. before we started, like, yes, just, it's yes. such a place where I feel like my entire body can exhale. So I know I said that to you, but earlier, such a but it, yeah, like, all right, I'm good. I'm good. And it's a place that just, like, it doesn't matter what beach either. Like, I'm not beach specific. I'm not weather specific. <laughs> not. It's just it's a place where I fill up, where I feel very rejuvenated. I know there are people out there that don't like sand or the sun as much as I do, but I hope they have their own special place that fills some up too. Oh, yes. Yes, yeah. I'm sure. I'm yeah. with you. I come to the beach with you. I love water. We'll meet somewhere. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So I'm curious too, like as you're working with your clients to kind of shift gears a little bit, how do you help them make the paradigm shifts? Well, the first challenge, I love to do that work because it has to do with mindset. And the first, the first work to do is to uh, help them realize that they do have paradigms and help them to actually see them and uh, become aware of what they are actually standing for. And it is very interesting because often there is a fine tuning of, uh, yes, I stand for these, or actually, no, this is not really what I am standing for. This is not what I value. This is not what I want to do. It is not what I want to contribute to the world. And so there is a lot of work around self-awareness in order to make paradigm shifts. 
shifts and the paradigm shifts have to do then with what they want to achieve. I was speaking with a client of mine and she hasn't she's a wonderful young woman and she is a wonderful entrepreneur and she has started an amazing company that is doing great globally. Mm-hmm. And she was sharing with me how she wanted to give her own unique style to the company and to the way she was leading the company. And at the same time, when she was saying my unique style, she was in fact talking about her values and what she stands for. And so she was saying something with the words, but then she actually, her words were not really tapping into what was the core of what she believed in. And so the shift and the change in the way she was leading the company could not happen because she needed first to be very clear about this is what I stand for and give a name to that in order then to really expand the impact that she could have and the impact would have actually be her own because she was aware of it. So when I say that I help my clients do paradigm shift, I really help you first, you as a client of mine with whom I partner, I help you first to really see through. I, I, I love to say that I help them create inner transparency. Inner transparency. I love to share the metaphor of beautiful watch. And Patek Philippe, for example, that has this transparent glass on top and you can see all the engines right the tiny little engines that are part of the watch and that they create the movement and they are smooth in their movement so to create paradigm shifts i need first to be clear of all my engines are they properly working together are they oiled do i need to change some parts some are rusty do i need to upgrade some of their functions so do i see everything that is there and is working properly do i know how to have them work properly all these engines so this is what i start doing create inner transparency so that i can see myself i love that yeah like that's just hitting me so powerfully because when you have that clarity and you're looking at all those pieces then it changes the the messaging or the communication you're having with the outside world yeah not only that i love to work with my clients creating inner transparency because once you have done that work and your inner engines are smoothly working because they are clean taken care of then you don't have to focus on them anymore you are free to use your energy to focus on what you want to create Mm-hmm. And uh, your inner engine works properly. It, it becomes a generator of energy and your focus and the energy that is created. So is directed outwards and you can create something out of your energy. Whereas what happens and, and reality and situations are so complex today, right? And what happens often that we are so focused and we, we think that we need to solve problems on the outside and we do not have time for our inner engine. So what happens? that every five minutes it is as if part of our engine is stuck and so you need to stop focusing on the outside results and you need to take care of your own inner engine and so the work is disrupted there is no flow whereas i love to think of the idea let's focus on having that inner transparency inner harmony if you want to call it or this flow from the inside so then you can actually be totally focused on creating what you want on the outside. Isn't that beautiful? 
It's gorgeous. I'm like, I'm just sitting here mesmerized, taking it all in. And again, too, because we're so aligned in our, our belief systems, but listening to you talk about, about that really lands with me. And I can only imagine the impact that your clients have once all of their inner work is, is aligned and what they can create newly, differently, in a more simple way, but more effective. Yeah. And to do this, though, you do need commitment, right? Yeah. Because as you know very well, because you are a coach as well, we can support, we can partner, but the other person in front of us really needs to feel the commitment. They need to want to be better, to get better at doing something or at being something different, more being fully reconnecting with their core, with all resources. They need to want that. They need to be really committed to it. Otherwise, it doesn't work. Otherwise, for a moment, while we are having this conversation, for example, then you are inspired. Um, the client is all excited. Yes, yes, yes. But then it is like a flame, right? It doesn't... Yeah. <laughs> So for, for the flame and the fire to be there, there needs to be this conversation. Yes, I help you. I inspire you. I show you. And then you get inspired yourself to work on your engine and make them all <laughs> working. Right. Right. Yeah. Because I talk about that in a lot of my programs where it's easy to get people excited and, and get them, and I'm air quoting, on board with change and shifts and, and doing things or looking at things differently. But that usually wears out in three days and then they're back doing the same thing that they've been doing and nothing and just kind of circles around. So I love the approach too, like Absolutely. just having the accountability and the support to work on one thing at a time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Barbara, this has been amazing. I'm so glad that we got to connect. Share with everybody where they can get the book. The book is available on Amazon. So very easy to, okay. um, there is a, both the Kindle version and the paperback version. I'm working on the audiobook. Um, so hopefully it will be there soon. But so Amazon is the place to, to go. Mm -hmm. And if somebody is interested in reading it, they can send me a message and then I, can, I have a gift, which is <gasps> an unexpected gift. Ooh, what <laughs> a gift do you have? <laughs> Well, I, when I chose, I want, when I chose the title, gift is really something I love, both to receive it and to give it. So the unexpected gift is alive, and so <laughs> when you read it, you get a gift uh, in, in in a surprise. So oh, like a ooh. I won't reveal it though, otherwise it won't be a, a surprise. Surprise, yes. And where can everybody connect with you? I think the best place is on LinkedIn. I am active on LinkedIn, so I think it is the easiest place to connect with me right now. There is also my website, which is, of course, as always, uh, under renovation. <laughs> and let's say an update constantly. So I would say LinkedIn is the best way. Okay. Awesome. Barbara, thank you again so much for coming on. This has been absolutely fantastic. Thank you very much, Amy, for having me here. And thank you for what you're doing with this podcast, uh, sharing the stories and the experiences of people. It's really amazing. So thank you for doing that. You're welcome. Thank you so much for being a listener of the Tribe of Leaders podcast. I am so grateful for each and every episode that you tune in and listen to. And I hope that you get a ton of value that you can implement starting today. I do have 
just a quick favor. If you wouldn't mind hopping on to wherever it is that you listen to podcasts and leave us a rating and review, it would help us tremendously so that the Tribe of Leaders podcast can be found more easily and help inspire other entrepreneurial leaders. 